Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Ksenia. And we're the co-founders of Leone, a virtual skincare consultancy changing the way that you shop for skincare for good. This is our podcast, The Skin Interview, and each week we interview skin experts, brand founders, and the beauty industry's best on the skin subjects that really matter. Do you want to know the products that you really need in your skincare routine? Cut through the noise of the trends to avoid to find the ones that really work? Or do you just want to know what's happening to your skin so you can achieve your skincare goals? Each week, we're going to answer these questions and more with no bias, buzzwords, or BS. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Skin Interview. How are you, Xenia? I'm feeling great. Um, I'm feeling great. I have a lot of energy today, I feel like. That's good. Um, I don't. <laughs> I didn't even go out last night, so I don't know what my excuse is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't go out a lot anymore, so I think that's why, you know, I wake up fresh all the time, sort of. Feeling fresh. Feeling yeah, you fresh. look very fresh. What is your, Xen, what's your morning routine right now? Your morning skincare routine? Well, funny that you asked me this because I actually booked a consultation with Megan today because I saw that my, in my diary. skincare regime is really all over the place right now and I just want to make sure that you know I'm putting everything back together and have something like more tailored to my skin because I feel like I'm even myself I'm a bit confused with what, I, with what I'm using I had the same thing this week with Claudia really one of our skin mentors yeah she she came up to me and she was like okay I know how to build somebody else's skincare routine, but I think that I need to sit down with you just so that you can give me an audit of mine because, you know, it's almost like you don't think of things that you're doing in your daily life that can impact your skin. And so we sat down together and I just tweaked a couple things and already she messaged me actually this morning and she was like, my skin's feeling so much better. It was just a little tweak. So this is why everyone needs a skin mentor. You need to check in with us. Megs, for sure. It's like, you know, if you're a doctor, you need to go to a doctor still. Like you need to totally. have like another... Every therapist has a therapist. It's a thing. Exactly. You need some objective objective view of what you're using. And me, like my skin, already now it's going like, you know, like it can really change from one day to another, which I'll explain to you in my consultation, which is exciting. Uh, <laughs> but I really want to also know, I really want to have something effective because when I'm going to give birth to my baby in the next two weeks, maybe... I want to make sure you know that I have something easy and something like good. Exactly. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait for a consultation. It's going to be so nice. So we've had a very interesting conversation, I think, around kind of what this podcast specifically is about um, with UpCircle. I'm really excited to listen to it because I do feel like I still need more education on sustainability because like you were saying earlier um, when we were speaking, we're so focused on the packaging but not exactly on what's in the product and that whole supply chain, you know, kind of start to finish. Exactly. No, I'm super excited too, because I had a really great conversation with Anna Brightman, which is one of the co-founder of UpCircle Beauty and UpCircle right now. Like if you, you know, even me before the podcast, I was searching for different articles, etc. I always like a mini research, you know, to make sure that I have all of the up-to-date information about the, about the brand. And it's crazy how every conversation uh, about byproduct beauty, about sustainability, they're everywhere. Like there's always upcircle there, which I think shows, um, you know, the, the expertise and also how involved they are in sustainability right now, especially in the UK. Um, and so, yeah, exactly like you said, it was super interesting basically to discover even for myself because completely like you said, like everyone focuses a lot on the packaging, you know, on the what exactly is your product when you touch it. 
Um, and so everyone wants like plastic free product or recyclable products, you know, like more and more like we're getting frustrated with the packaging sometimes that brand, you know, can use like when there's too much stuff, etc. You're like, oh, like they could have just sent the bottle, for example. Yeah. When I get a mailer and it's like so much paper, so much box, and then you get to the bottom and there's one product, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, just put it like, I don't care what it looks like, you know, I'm just interested in the product yeah. anyways. And so it really gives me, you know, I get like a this huge box um, and you get really excited. You're like, ooh, I'm getting the entire range. And then you open it up and it's like, you know, your cleanser. You're like, what is happening here? Exactly, exactly, exactly. I completely agree with you. And so now it was interesting to, for the first time, you know, to speak to someone who, uh, instead of focusing on the packaging, which they are also like, everything is like as sustainable as possible. The supply chain also is like really well thought, like they really did a great job. Uh, and I think it took them a lot of time to like figure out exactly, you know, how they, how like to have, I don't know, this whole organization set up. But it was interesting to know more about like the ingredients themselves, like how you can also make more sustainable choices as a brand to pick and choose the right ingredients to also like really encompass sustainability inside out, you know, from a product. And so UpCircle, they are a brand that is leading the byproduct UT. Do you know what's byproduct, Megs? I know byproduct in the sense that it's kind of re recycling waste now. Exactly. It's basically when waste is being transformed into the base of certain beauty products. That's what they're doing. And I think everyone heard about them at some point because they were the first one who used, you know, coffee, coffee grinds. Coffee, like from- I, yeah, I remember the coffee, the coffee thing, which I was a bit skeptical about, you know, because I'm thinking, ooh, manual exfoliant, not sure. But um, they made a huge kind of wave with the coffee scrub. Yeah, it's very interesting also to see that people actually... That products, you know, like it's not like you imagine, because when you think about like waste being transformed in products, you really think about the raw ingredients. But actually, you can use the raw ingredients and treat it in different type of products to really like benefit from the, yeah, all the benefits of the of the ingredient that you picked, for example, coffee. Now, sustainability, like we said, is not focusing anymore on the packaging, but there's like more and more trends coming up about like how you actually, what's exactly contains our product. And there's there's a lot coming out, you know, I think that brands are having to rethink everything. Skin ingredients we've just seen this week, they've completely relaunched their range and it's now, uh, there's more product. So it's these kind of cylinders and you actually replace the inside bit with refillable kind of little containers. And it's for them, you know, it took two and a half years to rethink that. And so you know, they're a small, like quite nimble brand. I say small, you know, in the big scheme of things, but they're, you know, not a, a huge L'Oreal brand, for example. So I can imagine that that these bigger brands are, you know, it's going to be really hard for them, but they have to do it. So I think UpCircle and, and brands like Bybee as well are really leading the way, these kind of niche brands and challenging the, the, big, the big dogs to rethink the way that they're creating product, which I think is incredible. And yeah, I'm excited to learn more about their product range because I think the coffee scrub, you know, initially I was like, wait, what? But um, obviously they're doing a lot more in terms of formulation and results driven products as well, which is really cool. Yeah. And I think we talked about it, you know, like me, one key question I had before the podcast is just by curiosity, you know, because people, when you think about waste in your beauty product, they can be quite reluctant or they can see it as something, you know, like, oh my God, I don't want to use, for example, coffee grind from my coffee shop next door, you know, on my skin. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
which is not really not how it's happening, by the way. I really explained it's really bad, the process. And, and I think there's a big challenge with that, you know, is to educate people on how those formulations, even if you encompass certain sustainable trends, how they can be also beneficial for your skin. And I think UpCircle, they really nailed it because they um, are really picking ingredients like waste, etc., that have a specific purpose for the skin of someone or like, you know, that has specific benefits. They're not just going to recycle waste to recycle it, basically. Not for like a marketing point of view. It's really about like the formulation of the product, which was very interesting. And I think that the next step with that, I don't know if you agree with me, Max, it's because right now everyone is like, everyone wants like sustainable products, but there's still a bridge missing between Picking the right sustainable brand for your skin, you know, really adapting to your skin needs. Like you want to drop on the wagon and like, you know, try and, and all those products that are sustainable, etc. But you tend to forget when you go into it as a newbie that you also have to create those products to your skin needs. Um, and I think that's going to be the next type of education that we as skin mentors, that's what we're doing. But also brands to really encourage people to pick also the right product for their skin needs. I think that's going to be the next big thing. Definitely. Because I think that it was the whole thing with natural as well. You know, we have a lot of clients come to us. They're like, oh, I think that I want natural, whatever that means to them, skincare. But by the end of the consultation, they're like, you know what? I just want something that's results driven that works for me. So it's, you know, basically we're having to compromise somewhere. So I think that 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 next step is really having these kind of results driven products, products that really work well. And, you know, the formulation is super well thought out and can match different skin needs and skin moods so that you don't have to compromise on anything that you can be sustainable and then also be doing something good for your skin. Exactly. That was our conversation. And me, I just wanted to ask you, Megs, what's your most favorite sustainable product right now or brand? I think that I'm really excited about the skin ingredients, to be honest, um, because I think that I already loved their products. And so I feel like not having the kind of big plastic packaging just it feels much better, right? And having that refillable, but Face Gem as well, the electrolyte cleanser from Face Gem, they're doing really great things with their packaging. You can even feel it on their packaging. And yeah, I, I think that they have a refillable um, kind of moisturizer as well that looks like a dumbbell. It's so cool. You take the little thing out and it's really like personalized to you. So I think that that would be my other, I mean, that electrolyte cleanser, I can't say enough good things about it. Me, uh, since Anna mentioned the the organic face serum with coffee oil, the one that's the best-selling one, I really have it on my radar right now. So I'm trying. I'm gonna speak to you later, and you're gonna tell me if it's something I could maybe include in my routine Ooh, uh, because exciting. they won different awards. Uh, like it looks really, really good, and uh, the formulation too looks like amazing. So yeah. I'm not promoting it because we're doing the podcast right now about them, but it's really a product like once once she mentioned it, I looked into it a bit more and, and it's really something I want to try. Well, we'll speak about it in your in your consultation this afternoon. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to use our discount code, which is the skin to review 15 to receive 15% off on your next consultation with us. Um, and we, if you're interested in sustainable products, um, if you want to learn more about them, if you support a certain sustainable movement or trend, um, you know, we can help you to build your skincare regime around it. Uh, we all are skin mentors are trained for that. 
So it could be an amazing way to transition safely into uh, something more sustainable without compromising on your skin. Exactly. And Vitalia, one of our skin mentors, she's really incredible with these type of products. Um, so she's definitely someone that I would kind of look to book in with if that's the kind of core things that you're looking for when building a routine. So yeah, book a time with Vitalia. She's the best. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And Megs, I'll speak to you Actually, in five minutes when we end this recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm super excited to be joined today by Anna Brightman. Anna is the co-founder of Upcycle Beauty and the brand that is really known right now for pioneering the byproduct beauty trend. And uh, in 2020, Anna and her team launched the Upcycle range into two more than 2,000 retail doors across the UK and US, which is crazy, and tripled the size of their team and launched seven new products, all in the height of the global pandemic, which is amazing, honestly. <laughs> and um, today we're going to speak about skincare and the environment, particularly how they both connect. And we will delve into the skincare cycle from seed to byproduct to skin. Uh, but first, I would love for Anna to introduce herself and just, you know, tell us a little bit more about UpCircle Beauty. I got the chance to try your products, which I absolutely love. And I think that uh, the brand Atlas and also your mission is absolutely amazing. So I'm super excited to have you here. Oh, well, thank you for such a wonderful intro. I'm really excited to be here as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the co-founder of UpCircle. We launched the brand just over five years ago. I launched it with my big brother, William. So it's like a, a sibling double act, which is uh, as drama-fueled as you might imagine, <laughs> but uh, never a dull moment. Our ethos, the whole kind of brand idea, the concept is about repurposing byproduct ingredients into every single skincare product that we make. So uh, really taking the uh, concept of the circular economy and bringing it to the beauty industry, which is obviously an industry which doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to sustainability. So we wanted to prove that you can use byproduct ingredients uh, in skincare products that are just as high performing, if not better, just as stylish, just as, um, you know, products that look great, feel great and are something that you'd be proud to display in your bathroom and proud to use. So that's kind of what we're all about, trying to shake things up a little bit in the industry and prove that you can be both uh, sustainable and doing something great for the planet, whilst also, of course, first and foremost, uh, being fantastic for your skin and, and also uh, affordable. So an attractive price point that can attract uh, not just an elite privileged few, but be approachable for everyone who wants to enjoy sustainable skincare as well. So that's what we're all about. Wow, amazing. So you really like put everything together, good price, good product. And also, of course, uh, you're su supporting the planet in a way. So that's an amazing mission that you have. I told you in the beginning that, uh, you know, I was researching a little bit. I love to research a little bit before the podcast, etc. But if you look at any new trends about sustainability, how we are becoming more conscious as consumers, you will find all the time somewhere something about upcycle, which is absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, and I think it's it's amazing because you you are a pioneer in this really particular trend, which we'll speak about. And I really read more about it and I found it so, super interesting um, because um, I think brands are really focusing on the outside of the product and not really in the inside. So it's very interesting to see like how we are evolving into, you know, really encompassing all the different forms of sustainability in a beauty skincare product, which is amazing. 
So I think it would be great first just to speak about uh, the beauty industry and waste uh, because um, I think it would be interesting for our listeners to really realize, you know, like how the beauty industry is contributing, of course, to our well-being and like to feel fabulous. But at the same time, it has a huge impact also on landfill and, you know, on the environment, generally speaking. Um, I mean, when we know that one third of plastic that lands in fields are coming from beauty products, mixed material too small because basically they can't recycle it, etc. We understand how big, you know, the beauty uh, skincare products are contributors to the landfill, which is honestly astonishing. So when you look at, you know, all the different stats, etc. Uh, I was very like even before that that's where we started our business but i was extremely impressed you know by those numbers and i feel like we don't speak a lot about them and when you see this and at the same time there's a situation of the market with like all those new upcoming brands you know and products they're everywhere you understand that we might not be heading in the right direction um, and i think that us you know in the beauty industry um our responsibility is to shift the skincare mindset with less waste and elevated consciousness when purchasing products. And at Lyon, for example, we are doing this by tackling down the common outcome of over-purchasing incorrect skincare products. Um, and what's exciting is that many brands have found different innovative and new ways to also contribute in reducing the, the enormous waste that we're doing. So I would love Anna to hear like why, like, because I feel like also your brand was born from a, you know, from this type of frustration too. Um, and it would be great to hear like anything that's, yeah, also surprised you, you know, when you looked more about how like we're wasting beauty products, et cetera. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you've said. I think, um, you know, as I said at the start, the, the reputation in the beauty industry is bad. And it is almost entirely down to the packaging, which is why so many brands focus on trying to make their packaging as sustainable as it possibly can. And that is also something that we um, take great pride in at UpCircle. So, you know, we are 99% plastic free. We have plastic free refill options for that 1%. So uh, as an example for that, we never want the actual user experience of our products to be compromised. So if you've got a serum for example most people are going to want to use it with a dropper like with a pipette but with our products you can purchase it after your first one with an aluminium cap so all you do is you save that dropper from your first bottle and you swap it over to your second third fourth fifth etc we also have a full packaging return scheme which means that once your products are emptied you can send them back to us with a free post label 20 percent cheaper than the initial purchase and then we will refill them for you and send the exact same jars back to you. So there's the packaging side of things, which I think it's important to mention with beauty and skincare and cosmetics generally. And refillable beauty is another massive trend and something that I think we will see continue to grow, which is fantastic. And we are fully behind that. Um, but I think, you know, again, another thing that you mentioned is that the industry is extremely competitive. There are new brands popping up here, there and everywhere every single day. And you have to really be uh, truly differentiated if you're going to stand out and if you're going to make it, I guess. Uh, and the way in which we do that is by taking the same circular approach to the ingredients as well as the packaging. And as you said, the reason that we show up at the beginning of all of the searches for upcycling or repurposing in beauty uh, is because we were the first to do it. And that is an exciting thing to say now that we've uh, arguably 
uh, ironed out all of the difficulties and we are past the kind of startup phase, which is super, super scary. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's no less terrifying now that we're operating on a bigger scale. But we've kind of proven our point, I suppose. But it wasn't it wasn't easy. Uh, and there were an awful lot of hurdles that we had to overcome at the start. For example, you know, you can't start a skincare brand with no money. You need investment. And so many investors said to us, look, I don't think the industry is ready. It's a very fickle, shallow industry. I mean, you're talking, as we've said, we're talking about issues of waste here and we're talking about landfill and things that you don't really want to be thinking about when you're talking about uh, products that you would apply to your skin and apply to your face and the beauty industry, which is very glam and glossy and perfect, you know. But then wanting to disrupt that was exactly my point. I hate this idea of of perfection and all of that. I I want to kind of get back down to the gritty reality behind the scenes and transparency and and what it's really like um, to produce products and to trace that all the way back to source. Yeah, we were the first to scale up using byproduct ingredients to the extent that we now do, which was challenging. But I think that that's exactly the reason that we've had the growth and the success and the popularity that we have had so quickly as such a small team in such a short space of time is because it's truly different and it's truly innovative uh, and it's what people want to see but haven't necessarily been able to see yet so it's really reassuring I think to know that uh, both brands and consumers and the industry alike are really open to a more sustainable future and, and what that actually means with regards to the products and the brands that they choose to buy from. Completely. And I think it's like, a, I think we also understand today that it's more like a global mission, you know, because we can be very mm. competitive in this market uh, between brands and so like, especially with brands, right? And I think consumers too, like they understand that, you know, uh, it's a global movement. So if everyone is doing something yeah. and everyone is contributing in a different way, um, that's how we're going to reach, you know, like what's like the end goal, which is like a greener future, basically. I completely agree. And I think it's, it's uh, like, again, going back to the issue of waste and not wanting to sort of be bombarded with doom and gloom and, and all of that. I think to make things positive and uplifting and tangible for each individual is what makes it uh, a more attractive thing to, to purchase that product. So for example, uh, we use coffee grounds in some of our products and there is a stat which is that 500,000 tonnes of coffee grounds get sent to landfill per year in the UK. And that is scary and not good because it rots to produce methane, which is a a greenhouse gas. So instead of saying that statistic over and over again to our audience, we say things like, with every single face scrub that you purchase, the equivalent of four espresso shots is salvaged. And I think that is just so much more appealing because you can imagine four espresso shots you know what that looks like and you know that that's in that one unit of product that you've bought completely and i think it's not uh, like you said like with the, with your uh you know with the way upcycle like basically evolved like when you started it it's true like you know we those movements were really like still very fresh and and i think that at mm-hmm. this time basically brands were adding a simple label, you know, to the skincare product that said it was green. Not everyone, but it was more like, you know, the, the movement was starting. Brands were conscious that, you know, uh, consumers were interested in those type of products. Uh, but it's super interesting to see that now it goes way beyond the label and that, you know, for the new eco-conscious consumers, like looking beyond the brand, beyond the product has become, you know, a priority. And we see this also with our skincare consultation. So, Every time mm-hmm. comes in, every time someone comes in and wants you know to us to create their shopping list and choose like for example natural and clean brands, it started like this and now it goes more like oh I want only like recyclable 
packaging yeah, or I want yeah. I need this I need that so um you know everyone is becoming even more aware and uh, it's it's so nice to see like all the di different movements I saw also something uh, some products you know that uh, were not using water for example so everyone has mm -hmm. like different type of missions and I know that you um you are a pioneer in the byproduct beauty and I think it would be super interesting to just explain a bit more what it is Because again, when I searched more about it, I was, you know, like you said, with coffee, like the waste we do with coffee, how we can actually link the, the waste also of food, you know, with our products. Um, and I think it would be super interesting to know what it means. And also, you know, how, like, of course, you explain with coffee, but just like why it became like the mission of the brand. Yeah, absolutely. So byproduct beauty is all about um, being more creative and imaginative with resources that already exist, as opposed to just producing new. So we use byproduct ingredients in every single formulation. And what that essentially means is those ingredients haven't been produced solely for the purpose of what we are using them for, i.e. in skincare products. We've taken them from another industry where they've had what I describe often as a previous life. Uh, and then we intercept those ingredients at the point where that previous industry would have been about to dispose of them because they've got that use out of them. And then we say, oh, that's okay. You've used that ingredient, but we can use it for a completely different thing now. So then we take it and we convert it into how we want to use it in a skincare product. So we use more than 10 different byproduct ingredients that are sourced from all over the world and, and all sorts of varied industries. As you've mentioned, one of the go-to industries is the food and beverage industry. So I can give a couple of examples. Um, I feel like olive powder is a really tangible and easy one to, to recognize. So we use um, the powder of residual uh, olive stones <laughs> in our face masks. So The olive powder is originally used to create olive oil, but then the compression of the entire fruit leaves behind what's called an olive cake. And that's what we then take, it gets dried, and then it gets uh, powdered into this extremely fine powder that goes into our mask. It's just like a clay, but it is full of antioxidants. It's got fantastic skincare properties, and it produces this beautiful texture to the product and um It improves the ease with which the product is dispersed across your face as well. So it's perfectly matched in a face mask. We also use, well, I mentioned the coffee grounds. Um, so when you go into a cafe or a bar and you get a coffee and they tap out the grounds in the little circular pucks into what would normally be a, a compost bin or something like that, that's what we collect And we use those in the ground form as exfoliators, but then also in oil form in things like our serum and our eye cream, because again, it's packed with antioxidants and it has a brightening effect on the skin as well. We use things like residual mandarin water, which is a byproduct from the juicing industry. So again, the mandarin fruit is grown organically in the Mediterranean. It's then uh, harvested and the entire fruit is squeezed to get the juice. But then what the juicing industry is selling is the concentrate. So to get the concentrate, they evaporate the water uh, away. So then the water is what we take and we use that in our toner. One of the reasons that we do that is we mentioned waterless beauty. That is definitely a trend. But for lots of beauty products, most beauty products at the moment, the first ingredient in the vast majority of them will be water. So if we could target that key ingredient and replace it with a sustainable alternative to filtered mineral water, which is what would be in most skincare products, 
then we're on to a winner. Not only that, but the water that comes from the fruit is intrinsically enriched with the vitamins and minerals from that original fruit. So it's the definition of a win-win. So I guess, you know, long story short, there's a huge amount of ingredients that you can work with. And a nice little phrase that I often repeat is that the only limit to byproduct beauty is your imagination. So we keep an eyes up approach. We're always on the lookout for things that might have better use in skincare and one of our upcoming products that I've just received a grant for which is really exciting is uh, repurposing flower petals from florists and wedding venues and hotels and event spaces because it's so sad to see these beautiful flowers end up in the bins and yet they could be wonderful in bath products and and uh, suspended in body oils and things like that so yeah we, we stay curious we keep our eyes up and Um, There's a huge amount out there that we can make use of that already exists. And that's the key thing is that we're not producing things ourselves. We are taking things that have already been made and then we're finding an entire new life for them. That's super interesting. And from what you mentioned, basically, is that even if you're taking, you know, those raw food or raw materials in a way, uh, you know, from different uh, industries, etc., you're still not compromising on the quality of the ingredient. And I think that's For me, I would believe that that could be a fear among consumers that, you know, like utilizing like those type of uh, materials or foods or ingredients might compromise on the ingredient performance. Do you feel that uh, you had to overcome that challenge and like, you know, for consumers to really explain them that actually, for example, like you mentioned, like coffee, you know, is full of antioxidants, for example. So it's also great uh, to lose, et cetera. So how like how did this, you know, uh, go? It's definitely one of the biggest challenges and it's definitely something that I find quite frustrating uh, when you've got people like, I don't know, let's say influencers on social media who might see your product or and they just describe it in a way that I definitely wouldn't. So, for example, the, the word old gets used a lot. So they'll be like, oh, they use old coffee. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. No, we don't. <laughs> Not in any way is that an accurate description of what we do. If anything, it's so much fresher than what you would get alternatively because, You know, of course, people don't know this, but we collect coffee fresh every single day. It's not stored, it's not old, and it's made the very next day by our manufacturers. Uh, So it's an extremely fresh and efficient process. And that's what I was kind of talking about with the whole brand journey. There's a reason that, you know, we're one of the only brands who've managed to scale up this idea because it's not easy. And we had years of trial and error and experimentation to get those processes right. And ultimately, the main thing that we have to do is be incredibly fast and incredibly fresh and incredibly efficient in our processes. So when words like old get used, I'm like, ah, because it's not. And and other words, of course. So the main thing that we did in order to tackle this issue is work very carefully with copywriters to choose language that makes sure that people aren't associating the products with being any lesser quality. And and to try to, it's, it's a very difficult one because on the one hand, yes, okay, we're talking about minimizing things going into landfill and trying to stop waste production. But then you don't really, you know, I, I get loads of headlines in articles that say things like upcircle beauty, waste for your face. And I'm like, no, <laughs> can, can, we, can we not put waste and face in the same sentence? Like it doesn't sound great. So we say things like, you know, uh, salvaged or uh, repurposed, reloved, all of these sorts of things, like more carefully selected words. Um, because ultimately the whole point is that we are intercepting them before they become waste. They're not, we're not, you know, rummaging in dumpsters and, and bins to like get trash. <laughs> It's quite the opposite. So it is difficult. Um, I feel like consumers that want to 
that are open to a byproduct beauty brand are eyed open enough to uh, explore those sorts of things. Those that are already turning their nose up at the idea are probably not best suited for us anyway and probably wouldn't be looking at any sustainable skincare brands. Um, But the point is that we want our products to be as accessible as possible. This is why I mentioned the price point thing and to look as good as possible so that you could buy them solely on the skincare performance element. And then you might just discover about the byproduct ingredient thing afterwards. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. All I know is that this is a really good moisturizer. So fair enough. (laughs) So we want to just appeal to as many people as possible without the byproduct thing necessarily having to be the only thing that sells it. Once people try the products, then they speak for themselves. Of course. And I believe that you're not rescuing ingredients that won't benefit the skin of anyone, right? Exactly. So really that is the you. number one. There is absolutely no point, right? The, what is the point in going to all of this effort to get these really in, innovative ingredients from all over the world uh, if they have absolutely no skincare benefits? Completely pointless. So that's always the first priority. Mm-hmm. And how do you do? Because I have a question like, you know, like if you if you look at like, I would say mainstream brands, right? Mm-hmm which we're not also like big fans, like really big, you know, companies, et cetera, uh, that still needs to do a lot of work, you know, towards sustainability, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them, for example, like when they create a serum or they create a moisturizer, what they'll do is that they will, you know, hear the trends, try to figure out what ingredient is, you know, very trending and then include it in a serum or a moisturizer. So really try to find like the gap uh, in the in the market and really create that product around that ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you, like how do you pick and choose uh, your ingredients is it because obviously you're not working with trends you know so it's also I feel like this could be also a challenge with your brand where you know everyone suddenly is like releasing a serum (laughs) with Bacchitol for example and like maybe you don't have Bacchitol so how are you uh, selecting your ingredients and how are you being ahead of the trends? Yeah, it's a great question. And and trends as a topic is a really interesting one because I often think, you know, for these big brands, by the time that they are uh, analysing what the smaller brands are doing on the periphery of the industry and essentially copying that and incorporating that into their products, uh, you're almost too late. I feel like trends are, are backward facing and, and they're also fleeting. And so that's the opposite of, of what we want to be. We, we want to create extremely good products Uh, that will stand the test of time. We're not refining our range and discontinuing products here, there and everywhere. Um, I feel like consumer, I hate that also as a consumer when you have a product that you love and then the brand stops making it because they've, you know, reinvented it into something else to to fit a trend. And you're like, oh, well, that, that really worked in my routine. Like, why have you done that? So, we try not to analyze trends too much. The, inter- the the actual new product development process for us is definitely more complicated than uh, normal brands, <laughs> in, in inverted commas, because we have more challenges when it comes to the, the testing processes and things like that. So sometimes uh, that can take a little bit longer. I do describe it as a matchmaking process. So we, we have like a wish list of products that we want to make. So it might be, let's say, a night cream. And then we have a list of byproduct ingredients that we want to work with. And then it's a case of basically matchmaking those ingredients with the potential products. So we've got two separate wish lists that are happening at the same time. And then it's a matchmaking process of bringing ingredients and products together based on, you know, the style of the ingredient. Is it Uh, an exfoliant? Is it a powder? Is it an oil? Is it a water? Does it come whole like the flower petals I was talking about? And then you've got the the product list as well. So I wouldn't be putting flower petals, for example, into 
a soap bar <laughs> or something, you know? So it's just a case of, of matching those things up. And then we do add in additional ingredients as well, which are sourced new. So we can also, you know, make sure that we are included in the same sort of search terms and things like that as uh, that the people are looking for. But generally, it's it's a slightly more creative process, I suppose. We work really closely with our formulators and it's, it's a case of taking the ideas and taking the ingredients that land, fortunately, in our inbox these days. I feel like loads of people now know what we're doing. So we have uh, different businesses and individuals coming to us saying, hey, I own a gin distillery. I have this kind of byproduct. And I go, oh my goodness, hand sanitizer. Yes, let's go. <laughs> um, so luckily the, the ideas land in my inbox, which is nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a matchmaking process from in, ingredient to product uh, based on the style of the ingredient and your desired outcome. Yeah, and I think as a consumer also, there's still a lot of education and a shift needed you know, towards how do you pick and choose your products? Because mm. still now, you know, like we're... St- so attracted by trends and by new products, upcoming products, etc. And what we don't realize is that by doing that, you're listening to the industry noise and not really listening to your skin needs. Uh, mm-hmm. So no matter what, you know, like the way you pick and choose your product needs to be really tailored to your needs, to your unique needs, to your skin, and yeah. not to, you know, like what you hear on a TikTok, for example, video yeah. oh. or what you see on Instagram, etc. Because that's that is not like the way you you pick and choose your products. So no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. like I think with the products and with the way you're manufacturing those products, um, there's still a way to, like you said, do a matching also with consumers so that they understand exactly, you know, how it will benefit their skin. That's why we also created our company because for us, it was so many noise out there, right? It's so overwhelming when you look at all the, the products and sometimes you don't need that much. And, you know, like one ingredient that you might have heard of 20 years ago might be great for your skin, maybe not yeah. the trendy one. So it's all yeah. about, you know, educating the customer and making sure that everyone understands uh, how you need to choose your products, basically. Mm. It's it's so hard from the brand perspective as well, because everyone's skin is different. And it's it still blows my mind every day. Obviously, our audience is getting bigger and bigger. Um, but... And but sometimes the the product that is the absolute bestseller that gets you know amazing reviews wherever it is in whatever country, uh, whether it's people you know the very different reasons that people buy skincare products or the different skin types or the different things they're trying to tackle. There are certain products in our range that will almost universally be popular, but then you still get someone being like, "I absolutely hated this product. It was terrible for my skin." And it's just a real reminder to me that. There is no one size fits all with skincare. There's things that most people will love and some people will hate or whatever. It could be just down to a scent. It could be a scent that reminds them of a memory that they don't like or that they do like. You never, ever know. And everyone's different. So the, the idea that you have to just do what's right for you and, and not just follow. It might be that people say generally, oh, you shouldn't do this or you should do that. But I feel like each individual knows best and knows what their skin, like your skin will tell you, right? <laughs> if it's happy or if it's sad <laughs> and what you should keep doing or not doing. So that's the best thing to listen to, I think. <laughs> exactly. And you talked about different ways that you were also, you know, um, different action you were doing to reduce uh, the, your environmental impact, like one step further. Do you have like any goals, you know, in the next years or because of, I'm, I'm, I mean, like you're doing so much already because you're tackling everything about a product from, you know, the packaging to what's exactly it's inside. 
so I just wanted to know, like, if there's anything else that you know, like any other ways uh, in the future you want to push even more your brand, and what would that be? Because that would be very interesting from you know your brand that is a pioneer, like to see already ahead in the future what could be possible to do. Yeah, absolutely. I do feel like the packaging return scheme was a real like a, a big target for us to achieve and we, we rolled that out on Earth Day this year. So that's relatively new and has been incredibly popular and I'm so, so pleased we managed to kind of make that happen because it's another thing that I often see brands advertise themselves as having but then they kind of hide it because it is logistically extremely challenging. <laughs> um, so we kind of shout about ours quite a lot and we have an entire separate section on our website for it. There is another thing I'd quite like to roll out with regards to like misprinted packaging or things that don't uh, follow the like quality check or whatever. So having a separate section also for things like that, where maybe the packaging is dented or something like that. So it's imperfect from a packaging perspective, kind of first time round, but the product itself is still completely usable. That's another area that you can sometimes see waste in where a product doesn't make it to shelf because there is some sort of manufacturing, particularly in the packaging area, misprint or something like that. So I would love to consider a way that we could incorporate making that still purchasable at a discount. The main focus is is kind of expanding our range. We're still only five years young. And so we do not have every single product. I would love, love, love to get into makeup once we've kind of covered, if that's even possible, uh, the skincare thing, because there are some really interested, uh, interesting ways of using byproducts as pigmentation. So for example, we've looked at plum stone oils and things like that, which creates a really beautiful dark purple, um, tanning products, stuff like that. It's something that we get asked about all the time. My reply at the minute is uh, we're focusing on skincare and then cosmetics will hopefully come down the line. Same with oral hygiene. Um, we haven't really done too much, well, anything really in that area yet, but I think the idea of toothpaste tablets as opposed to, um, pastes and things like that are really innovative and really cool. So it's one of those things that we've planned for in the design of our brand in terms of things like the color scheme and stuff like that. So we have big ambitions for the years to come, but we can't rush these things. It takes time. And as I mentioned earlier, we don't want to be undoing mistakes all the time. So we want to make sure we get it right. And then, yeah, hopefully in in the years to come, we will continue to grow. We'll, we'll need to grow the team as well. <laughs> um, we did a lot of expansion out into America uh, during the pandemic, actually. Um, so, yeah, continuing to, to grow in, in all areas, really getting into new retailers, uh, getting more people on board and then expanding the range into different areas as well. So very exciting. Lots and lots of plans. Do you feel that the pandemic has accelerated that need from consumers, you know, to really shift towards more conscious brands and, you know, use things that waste less? Like how you did you feel like this, you know, this peak during COVID? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I feel like there was also uh, one of the positives that came out of the pandemic was this renewed sense of community spirit and this desire to kind of support one another, like, you know, a real neighborly vibe. And what kind of comes with that is a support of small independent brands and up and coming brands and a sense of conscious consumerism and, and also self-care. You know, it was a really terrible time for all of us. And 
you know, you were stuck at home for much of it. So what can you do? Okay, well, let's make this as enjoyable as possible. Let's take some time to reflect or let's let's do a face mask and have a bubble bath or whatever it might be. Ways that you can look after yourself and your mental health as well was another part of why I think the skincare industry had such a boom. Um, it's both the products themselves and the way that those products can make you feel. They can, you know, calm you down or, or make you feel better about yourself or, you know, pampering is that downtime I think is so valuable and so important um but then there's also for for smaller brands like Upcircle the fact that people were having this renewed sense of um you know wanting to support people who might have been struggling through this time was also something that aided in the um increase in sales that brands like Upcircle had during the time for sure for sure I think like people have completely changed also the way they they were buying things, you know, you realize how much yeah. you're not buying anymore and you realize what exactly you need, what are your essentials, etc. So that like really shifted mm. everything. And uh, for sure, we saw that movement too, you know, with the with consultation that we're doing. It's like more about streamlining mm. your skincare regime, getting exactly the products that you need, not like, you mm. know, the fluffy things, etc. So yeah. it was very interesting to see. And I agree with you. It's the positive, the little positive thing that came <laughs> out of the pandemic is that we're more <laughs> conscious about, you know, the way we... Just the way we spend, mm. the way we buy products, who we want to support. Uh, we're very more careful about that. And I think that's uh, that's really amazing because it just pushes everything, you know, even faster with all those little movements that we see in sustainability. I would love to know what are your best selling products, like top three best selling products. I think I have an idea of the first one. <laughs> what do you think the first one is? I think it's the coffee scrub one. Ah, interesting. It's actually not. Uh, it is a coffee-related product. No, we're we're about to re-release the coffee scrubs, moving them out of the aluminium tubes into jars. And I do think that that's going to accelerate the sales of those significantly. But the best-selling product, unrivaled, it, we, we, we launched it like four years ago now. So it's in no way a new product, but it just flies out of the door. And that is our face serum, our organic face serum with coffee oil. Uh, so it is one of the coffee-based products. I think one of the reasons for it is the price point. So it's $14.99 in, in pounds sterling, uh, which is incredibly good value for an 100% natural uh, certified organic product of the size that it is. It's also incredibly versatile. So all ages, all skin types, uh, morning or evening, etc. Uh, but yeah, the serum is the absolute number one bestseller. I feel like you get the benefits from the coffee without the what some might call uh, too strong scent that the scrubs definitely have. So if you're someone who really hates coffee, the scrubs undeniably smell of coffee. So that's perhaps one thing that's um, slightly more uh, Marmite about the coffee scrubs. Whereas the oil has a real kind of mass market appeal. It's it's much more uh, subtle and refined. The second bestseller is our face moisturizer, which is made with argan shell powder. Again, I feel like argan is one of those ingredients which has got a very good reputation in the industry. It's something that people look for a lot in their skincare products. Um, the moisturizer is also packed with vitamin E and has really calming ingredients like aloe vera in there as well. So it's just a, a good staple product. I feel like, again, I don't know many people who don't use a moisturizer. So unsurprisingly, our kind of staple moisturizer would be in our top two. And then our third this one isn't so much the case in America, uh, strangely, but in the UK and Europe, the third bestseller would be our cleansing face balm. This is made with discarded apricot stone powder. But I think, so this is a, an interesting product because it, if anyone sees it or if you look it up, 
it's like a bright yellowy orange color. It looks like the sun. <laughs> Whenever I post it on Instagram or any social channel, it gets triple the likes to any other post that I do. I think it just has that stunning visual appeal. The scent is also absolutely gorgeous and it just melts away makeup, mascara, anything uh, from your skin and is a fantastic first cleanse in any routine. So uh, those are the top three. I feel like the versatility of them and the fact that they can be used on any skin type is probably one of the things that helps <laughs> with the fact that you kind of can't go wrong with it. So no matter what people are looking for, I can recommend those products without too much fear uh, of it not being a good match for them. Closely followed by the face scrubs, admittedly, they they would come uh, shortly after that, but not in the top three. <laughs> not far uh, definitely top five definitely top five top five top five that's fine i think it would be interesting to know how much waste you know also happens during ingredients like not ingredient production but yes actually during ingredient production so just to compare a little bit because you obviously use you know like products that are really accessible but if you compare this to a brand that uses um you know in a traditional well ingredients um you know what would be the like of course, like there's a huge gap, you know, between the ways that you're doing between both options, but it would be, yeah, it would be great to hear like if, if it's a lot or if it's, you know, if it's really significant or not. Um, I, I would say it's, it's not significant at all, really. And one of the reasons for that is that we uh, choose the partners that are involved in the production of our products really carefully. So they're always soil association certified, for example, and we work with small batches as well. So there's not really any need for ingredients to be wasted because we are making small amounts of our products all the time um, and the batches are relatively small as well so it's not like we make a huge batch and then we wait for six months uh, we're kind of making small batches every week so there's, there's there's just no need for you know ingredients to be wasted here or there or, or whatever so we're always being careful to minimize that uh, as much as we can but then a lot of the ingredients that we repurpose as well come in a form that uh, they're kind of naturally preserved so they're either dry like the chamomile stems for example that are also in our toner or uh, in oil form so they don't uh, like spoil as such so um, that's another way in which there's just no reason really for uh, ingredients to be ending up being disused and with regards to the packaging as I said earlier like I'd love to come up with a a sub range that deals with you know things that might be misprinted at the moment again the reason i haven't done that is because we don't have enough to justify doing that because it's so small but as the brand grows i feel like if i announced that on like instagram or whatever it would be gone in in a second and then we'd get people who were really annoyed that, <laughs> that they couldn't buy it so i need to wait until there's enough that i can justify doing that so that people could actually there'd be enough to meet the demand i guess but no generally i i think that you know, efficiency and minimizing waste is, is built into everything that we do. And that follows right back down to the start. So yeah, definitely not significant, fortunately. But of course, we'll have to readdress these things as the brand grows, because you get new challenges um, as you as as you do grow. So let's see, but we'll, we'll always be ready to tackle it if and when it happens. Yeah, but I mean, if you compare to like other brands, you know, that we use and manufacture one specific ingredient, like the waste that you're actually doing is minimal, you know, compared to them, mm. that is quite huge. I think, it, you know, it, it can't just be a, a marketing activity. It has to really be built into your brand DNA. So making sure that we're consistent is very important to, to me and everyone that's in our team. Exactly. And in terms of waste, 
Do you have any like tips and tricks, anything like for consumers that, you know, uh, can help them to reduce their consumption impact? Um, I would definitely say, well, there's the obvious ones, quality over quantity. And also um, look for multifunctional products, I think. I think sometimes I, th I try to approach my routine as if I'm going on holiday and it's like okay well I've you know you've got that small bag and you're only taking hand luggage right what can I take and sort of take that approach generally to your skincare or your makeup routine that's not to say that we all need to be stringent and not have options um that I, I don't think you should restrict yourself in that sense but look for things that do a lot rather than lots of things that do a little I think that's probably the best uh, approach so you know our, our face serum we'll go back to that as, as an example of versatility It can be used on its own. It can be used in the morning. It can be used in the evening. It doubles up as a beard oil or a hair oil. Uh, you can use it on your cuticles to keep them fresh. Uh, it has so many different functions. And it's just this teeny little bottle that's <laughs> um, just packed with, with you know, great uh, general beauty routine things that people are looking for. So I think that's my very most basic advice is look for things that do a lot. And also if you're, if you're deciding to rehaul your entire routine don't like resist the urge to just chuck everything away because that's the opposite of what we're trying to achieve here you know use it all up and then when it comes to the point that you would replace that product apply the new criteria to your purchasing decision so uh, whatever it was that made you want to throw away that first product uh, in the first instance make sure that that's solved in the new version of that product that you choose to buy next time around don't be like okay it's it's veganuary let me you know empty my fridge or whatever the same um kind of process but with with skincare and beauty as well don't just run into the bathroom and just empty your cupboards into a bin bag it's a gradual process uh so take your time with it and also i would say like if you're not sure about what brands to pick but I, because i think it's still hard you know to read beyond the level and like if you don't make mm -hmm. your own research about brands etc you don't really know like if they're gonna respond to your values um i think sh shopping also from non-retailers for example in the uk content beauty i think is amazing and i think you're in yes. beauty too They have so many different movements they support and you can actually, like, depending on the movements you want to, you know, support that matches with your values, you can actually purchase products, which I think is absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, and also, like, if you're not sure about one brand, I would say, like, ask questions. Like, don't be afraid to ask them some question and see exactly if they are responding again to what you expect from the product before purchasing it. Because I feel we live also, you know, in a in that era where like we buy things, it's so easy to buy stuff. Like even online in two seconds, you already have, you know, you can have a whole skincare regime <laughs> delivered to your door the next day. Um, so it's very important to to take your time, read the label, making sure that you ask the right questions, um, mm. you know, shop from a non-retailer. And I think like supporting brands that also have a mission, if you're really into like sustainability, that's also very important just to make sure that, you know, you, you feel also... I mean, you feel like you're doing something more global too, which I think is very important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If a, if a brand has something to be proud of, then they're probably going to tell you about it. <laughs> so ask the question. <laughs> yeah, ask the question, exactly. And what is the future, do you think, of environmentally friendly skincare? Like, where are we heading? Because we have those, like, all upcoming new trends, for example, waterless products, etc. Like, do you see... Anything else coming soon, um, you know, and is byproduct like do you, because byproduct is actually now it's like becoming bigger and bigger. Do you feel that this movement will also like 
expand more and more over the years. Yes, definitely. I feel like the the world has finite resources and at the moment we are using them up at a pretty scary rate. So brands like like mine that are um you know being imaginative with with what already exists will be the future. We have to be the future because we have to change something. <laughs> um or we're going to have nothing left to work with and everyone will be forced to be uh <laughs> on board the byproduct beauty life <laughs> because uh, there'll be nothing left. So yes, I definitely think that this is something that will gain popularity from uh both a kind of trendy perspective you know it is quite cool and it's a cool story and people think it's you know it's innovative and it's different um so it's got that trend appeal but then it also it's got the needs appeal as well like we we have to do something differently um and if you can prove as i mentioned that the products are just as attractive and just as effective then it's an absolute no-brainer there's no reason not to um so yeah i think uh big things to come in this space in the, in the near future which is brilliant exactly And just, yeah, and I think that the, for me, like the biggest, I would say that the biggest thing that I learned from from the podcast today is to really look beyond the packaging, because I think like we still brands are focusing mm-hmm. on like, you know, how you can reuse the package, et cetera, which is very important. I'm not saying the, the opposite, because also the waste of packaging is like absolutely like enormous. Yeah. Um, but I think really looking at what's inside your product too, in terms of ingredients, I think that's a key takeaway from this podcast because, uh, you know, we, again, like we need to really think about everything that composes, you know, one product and making sure that everything makes sense. Because if you buy something that has, for example, a refillable package, but then inside, you know, it's like, it's not great, <laughs> then, then you're not like you are contributing in a way, but you could do even more uh, with brands such as uh, UpCircle. So yeah, highly encourage everyone to, to look at UpCircle. I think you have, you know, again, an amazing brand. And what would be the best way to reach out if anyone has any question about the about the products or just, you know, the, the brand in general? Oh, good question. There's lots of different ways. So on our website, for example, which is upcirclebeauty.com, and we've also got the EU version and the US version, depending on where you're shopping. So you can select that on the top right of the screen. And there's a little um, pop-up chat function uh, where you can chat to uh, Sophie, who is extremely knowledgeable in my team and will answer any of your questions. Similarly, uh, the Instagram DM, are pretty much always managed by me <laughs> so if you want a direct line to ask whatever questions that you like you it's always speak to Anna just DM them <laughs> just DM us on Instagram so again that's up circle beauty perfect well thank you so so much Anna it was really lovely to have you here and like so many things we learned today and uh, yeah and I think it's uh, it's amazing what you're doing and I'm super excited to see Uh, where you're going to be in the next few years because I'm sure it's just going to, you know, explode. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. I've loved chatting with you. It's been fun. <laughs>